0: Since late 2022, there has been a significant increase in the number of claims sent to Medicare involving intermittent urinary catheters, so much so that healthcare organizations have raised the alarm about a potential widespread fraud scheme. I'm Jay Carlyle Larson, and this is Just Healthcare Daily. It's Tuesday, February 20th. Thanks so much for joining us. According to a recent piece from the Washington Post, seven companies allegedly have filed hundreds of thousands of claims for these small, low-cost pieces of medical equipment for a combined estimated total of around $2 billion. And the federal government may now be investigating. On today's episode, Washington Post national health reporter Dan Diamond joins me to talk more about what's going on here. Here's our conversation. Your recent reporting highlighted the story of two separate healthcare suppliers, and there are more than just these two, but we'll focus on them for now. They're both called Pretty in Pink, and they were caught up in this alleged fraud. Can you tell us more about what happened here?
1: There was a cancer care boutique in the state of Tennessee that all of a sudden last year, JC, started getting complaints from senior citizens around the country who said, you have billed us for urinary catheters that we never wanted, we never ordered, we never received. This came as a shock to the staff of the Cancer Care Boutique in, in Tennessee. They didn't know what to do. After getting enough of these complaints, they started getting worried that maybe this would lead to bad reviews of their organization. So they put up a web page that said, look, this isn't us. We've started reporting this to Medicare. This is how you report fraud too. And, and they weren't quite sure what to do. There are a number of organizations around the country that go by the name Pretty in Pink. uh, and, And they knew that this wasn't them, but they weren't sure at Pretty in Pink in Tennessee what was happening. As it turns out, there is a medical equipment supplier in Texas also called Pretty in Pink and also linked to these catheter bills. But as my colleague Lauren Weber found when she tracked down the former owner of Pretty in Pink in Texas, the former owner had no idea what was happening either. She sold her company last year for $50,000 and in the wake of that sale Medicare started being billed for millions tens of millions even hundreds of millions of dollars about 260 million dollars last year for urinary catheters that as far as we can tell and as far as the folks that we've worked with can tell no patients wanted no patients actually received these were phantom billings but it was the tip of a larger alleged fraud that happened across the country last year with a total billing to Medicare of around $2 billion.
0: So why urinary catheters?
1: JC, I've been writing about healthcare for a while. I had never spent much time thinking about urinary catheters before. These, <laughs> these low-cost, uh, small rubber tubes that people use when they're incontinent. They need to drain their bladders. So did ask people, why was there so much... Alleged fraud around these these devices, and one explanation was, it, it's under the radar. If you start billing folks for these devices about eight dollars per catheter, you might be able to escape some scrutiny. If if you were trying to bill for fraudulent, say, surgeries or or a really expensive equipment, so there was some thought that maybe that was the opportunity. We also noticed that right before this spike in billings happened, the HHS Inspector General two years ago said we're worried that Medicare is just paying too much money for these devices, that that essentially these are too profitable for suppliers. So it's possible that the watchdog by trying to call attention to catheters is being, uh, and specifically these are intermittent urinary catheters, it's possible that the watchdog by trying to call attention to the cost and, and profit with these intermittent urinary catheters, that that was almost a signal to what seemed to be fraudsters to come in and start billing really aggressively using real patient data from around the country to try and and make these fraudulent claims.
0: Now, these groups used real patient information to file these claims. Is there any indication how these people got this information? Did it raise any concerns at all?
1: It's certainly a concern for us. That, that is a question we're trying to answer. How did these suppliers get information for patients around the country? Uh, was there a data leak? Was there some other breach that led to this. So I I think that's a huge part of this potential story. Uh, And then more broadly, what what does this mean for future fraudulent schemes? Was this a one-off or is this a template for other potential scammers in the future?
0: So this issue originally caught the attention of the National Association of ACOs, who then brought it to you and your team's attention. What were they finding and hearing?
1: This was fascinating to me, JC, the idea that the ACOs, accountable care organizations, have an incentive to keep costs down. So when ACOs around the country started seeing massive billing for these urinary catheters, they got worried. They worried that Medicare would end up penalizing them for their patients using or, or appearing to use all of these catheters in. Uh, especially ones that weren't, weren't actually ordered. So the ACOs mobilized and tried to bring this to the attention first of federal officials and more recently to the media, because they're worried in many cases that they'll lose hundreds of thousands of dollars this year, or even millions of dollars in, in reduced payments from Medicare, because it appears that their patients are spending more than is necessary on these catheters.
0: So what sort of increase did they see in claims?
1: Historically, there were about 40,000 people per year who were billing Medicare, or or the companies were billing Medicare for these sorts of urinary catheters. In 2022, that began to rise linked to these potentially fraudulent claims. And by 2023, that number was up around 450,000. So by by a factor of 10, going from 40,000 patients to 450,000 patients in two years in a way that has no medical explanation, it's not like these devices got magically better or, or more prescribed. There really is no reason that makes sense other than this explanation that these are almost certainly fraudulent.
0: You spoke with Cliff Goss, CEO of NACOS. What was his reaction to what was being found?
1: Cliff said that he'd heard from ACOs in different states around the country, North Carolina, Florida, in the Midwest, all of whom were reporting similar patterns. So he and his national organization looked for the national trends. They went into the raw Medicare data that they were able to access. And they were able to put together this pattern linked to these seven companies that very quickly and aggressively started billing Medicare for these urinary catheters. We did our own reporting and and confirmed some of this. We couldn't get all of the numbers and, and Medicare data that they had. But it did seem that there were some companies that had been doing unrelated business uh, in, in Medicare, were sold or changed hands last year, 2023, and then very quickly began billing Medicare, like the Pretty in Pink uh, in Texas, for urinary catheters. And Cliff and his team also found that in many cases, it appeared the physicians who were linked to these orders seemed to be in the dark as well. Uh, so the the folks who have questions to answer are the ones linked with these companies, and they have been very difficult, if not impossible, for us to track down, JC.
0: So this alleged fraud that we've been talking about, uh, you know, could be upwards of $2 billion, which is a lot of money, though perhaps not in the grand scheme of just how much we pay overall on health care. But it's not nothing. So federal agencies, including the FBI and CMS, would not confirm to you that they've launched an investigation into this alleged fraud, but the complaints have been coming in about it for the past year. Any insight as to why it's maybe seemingly taken so long to investigate?
1: Great question. So for transparency, I I am confident that the FBI and other agencies are doing this investigation. That's something that I Sourced from from folks, and Lauren Weber mm-hmm. spoke to folks who had yeah. talked to the FBI. So we believe that at the Washington Post, even though they're they're not saying anything publicly, uh, the the total fraud here is actually on par with some of the biggest Medicare fraud busts. Potentially, again, all alleged fraud. We don't know exactly what the FBI and, and others are finding, but two billion dollars would be would be up there uh, when it comes to potential fraud busts by the government. Um, and yes, in the scheme of trillions of dollars in healthcare spending, maybe. That's fractional, but still, that, it's, it's a huge ring. Yeah. Why, why it might have taken this long? I, I think there's um, something to be said for the federal government's practice known as pay and chase, where they will pay out claims and then chase later uh, to try and figure out if there was a fraudulent activity. The head of CMS's program integrity unit, um, so think of her as one of their, their fraud fighting chiefs, She wouldn't confirm or deny an investigation, but she said, look, like, historically, we will put some money in escrow, for instance, Uh, so it might look like these claims are being paid out, but we're not actually giving them to the suppliers in question as we do our investigation. So uh, some of the money that folks like Cliff Gauss at at the ACO group and, and others have worried about, maybe that money hasn't actually reached the uh, suppliers in question. And then as your listeners know, JC, in healthcare claims don't always equal payment. So the $2 billion in claims might really have only been $1 billion in payment. And then maybe some of that money found its way into escrow too. So um, we, we don't know all of the numbers here. We just kind of know the broad outlines of what appears to be a major Medicare fraud scheme.
0: There are seven companies allegedly involved in this scheme. Each had a unique national provider identifier that allowed them to continue billing Medicare for all of this. Would this be a red flag, too, that a company allegedly committing Medicare fraud would still have the legitimacy of an NPI?
1: It's a major factor, JC. We were talking about pretty in pink, the two pretty in pinks, the one that had nothing to do with this and then the one that was billing Medicare. And the Pretty in Pink in Tennessee, the cancer care boutique, I spoke to the owner, Pam Ludwig, who said she was befuddled by this because, in theory, whoever was doing the billing had an NPI that the government could just turn off. Uh, Why, after all these complaints of people saying for months they were hearing from a Pretty in Pink, why didn't the government just turn off that Pretty in Pink's NPI? I I think one possible reason is that the government was, was laying a trap for the suppliers that they needed time to do the investigation, that they wanted to uh, make it seem like they were paying out to this company. Um, maybe they were putting this money in escrow instead. But but that would probably be the best explanation for why, even though the government knew it was these seven NPIs, and in theory they could have turned those NPIs off at some point, um, that that might have been why it took so long. There's also a process of appealing around the NPI. Uh, if There's a potential fraud claim, it can go back and forth for some weeks or months. I don't know if that happened here either, but the fact that these seven companies were known and ID'd and still were able to bill for so long, that is absolutely part of the reporting that we're trying to do.
0: That was Dan Diamond, national health reporter for The Washington Post. He recently investigated and co-authored a piece examining an alleged $2 billion Medicare fraud scheme. You can find a link to that article in today's show note. This has been Just Healthcare Daily from Kaufman Hall. I'm Jay Carlyle Larson. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. It helps other listeners find the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with the latest healthcare business and policy news, as always, in 10 minutes or less. In the meantime, you can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news at gisthealthcare.com. You can also get these insights emailed directly to your inbox when you subscribe to our newsletter, The Weekly Gist.